I am Stacy, And I am Adila. Welcome to our podcast, A Seat at Our Table, Present and Black, a podcast to empower, motivate, educate, and entertain our kinfolk as we discuss everything from current events, adulting, politics, our careers, and everything in between from our unique Black female perspective. This week, we're going to be doing a breathing exercise. So if you are at a place where you're able to, go ahead and close your eyes and take a deep breath in through your nose. And let it out through your mouth. Another deep inhale in through your nose. Close it in your belly. Exhale through your mouth. One more big inhale in through your nose. Holding in that positivity and exhale the negativity through your mouth. And with that, we say, I am peaceful. Right. Let's get into this week's ism. Yes. So as you hear, I have a sidekick this week. So I'm going to keep her as quiet as possible. At any rate, um, my ism this week is that I hate being on hold, listening to um, repetitive music, 
and I hate using automated systems. I've had to like make a lot of phone calls in the last couple of weeks. And um, I just, I hate it. And I feel like in 2021 with all this advanced technology and all these like wonderful things that we have going on in the world, there are other ways that we can find to um, funnel people through this system. So the fact that we have to listen to the same song over and over and over for an hour is ridiculous to me. And the fact that um, I have to talk to somebody who's like, press one, that's an invalid answer. Thank you for calling, goodbye. No, bitch, absolutely not. Do not hang up on me. It makes me so mad. And so I will just like press zero over and over and over until I get to a human being because I hate automated systems and I hate listening to repetitive music. And I love whoever invented the callback feature, like to leave your name and number and they call you back. You're a genius, God bless you. Because in every company should have that. And the fact in the companies that don't, they hate their customers. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Um, part of what I used to do is, you know, manage a team who did interactive voice response systems. And some areas would program so you could press zero as much as you want it would just keep repeating <laughs> and i thought that was so effed up i was like what are, are you serious but whatever that's what they wanted and then other areas like that was the whole point you send them through this whole menu of nonsense and they they really believe that it's helpful for the customer and i would always say that's too many prompts that's irritating and annoying i don't want to do business with you if I can't just get a person. Right. Yeah, we had um, clients who wanted specific things and that's what the client wanted. So, okay, that's what you're going to get. And then um, the callback feature, so funny. We would like champion, like you need to turn this feature on because it improves your customer service. We don't want it turned on. It's going to make our, you know, our metrics look bad. And I don't know how many times I explain that it has, it does not affect your metrics. You just need to turn it on. So they're not sitting and waiting in queue forever. They have things to do. And to this day, they haven't turned it on. <laughs> like, all right, well, don't listen to me because I'm obviously wrong. And you're right. That's, so, that's disgusting. And like that, that's how I feel about that is that it's disgusting because why don't you have, why don't you care enough about your customers, about your people that you would have something viable in place so that we're not sitting there wasting our effing time pressing buttons and not getting any, you know what? That person is petty and that person is spiteful and they need to be fired. I mean, that's how I feel. <laughs> I know there's this one company, <clears throat> rhymes with Lorizon. Um, their IVR is trash. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it because you can never get to a person. It's like a trick you have to. You have to just know a trick to get to a person because every single time they want you to press buttons and enter your account number. It's like I don't have an account number. I want to talk to a person. <laughs> it's like no, you have to enter an account number. So that means you got to go to the website, set up an account before you can possibly get to talk to someone terrible that, that makes my stomach hurt like especially like I think about like like me right 
pregnant. I have a small child. I just be trying to make my phone calls and get up, get on about my day. And I try to get up early enough in the morning so I can get them done. But then I think about other people who like, you know, are trying to make phone calls on their lunch break or excuse me, trying to make lunch call, you know, trying to make phone calls in between like four or five kids. And like to have to sit on hold or have to be to be pressing all them buttons or like, God forbid you're driving somewhere and they're like, press this. And I'm like, I just want to talk to some fucking body. Oh, get this. There are some companies who you call them. You're calling for a reason because you want to talk. Right. They'll send you a link to chat with them. (laughs) Like, yeah. And thankfully, I know some you get the option. Do you want to chat with us instead? And it's like, if I wanted to chat with you, I'd chat with you. Right. Come on, somebody. That's, that's right there. That's Bible right there. I feel like that's that needs to be put in stone because that don't make no sense to me. Or you can push another option and they'll send you a link so then you can just chat on your cell phone. And I was like, well, I'm glad you added the option because otherwise that would have been dumb. Kind of foolery. Ooh. Anyway, so that that feels really good to actually get that up off of my chest because you don't like my nerves was so bad and I I remember watching this show the other day with my husband and like in the very beginning of the first scene the main characters on the phone and they're like talk to a human being they're like yelling yes they're like yelling at the phone talk to a human and I'm like I resonate with that so much because I'm just like I don't want to talk to this automated system. And I know that's the era that we're going to where like, you know, robots and AI are everywhere, which is why I refuse to let an Alexa in my home. But I just, I can't handle it. It's too much. Mm-hmm. People need to do better. What, what happens to human decency and, he, and like caring about the life and the time of other people? you know what you know that (laughs) i know but i I think about like how many hours of the day or how many hours in our life do we spend on hold when in all actuality you can hire enough people to field all these phone calls so that the waiting time isn't as long and people aren't having to wait five hours to talk to an individual for 30 minutes I mean, theoretically, that would make sense. When you have budget constraints, you, you, you just can't hire. Well, if the CEO wasn't making $500,000 and the people in the coffin weren't making $5, then maybe we can do something. So. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> you know, there's that. I know one thing. These people who are you know in customer service, not all of them, but <clears throat> they just have such bad attitudes. Like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to work. Well, why'd you clock in? Well, because I have bills to pay, but if I'm here making five dollars an hour, and by the time you get on the phone with me because you've been a whole for five hours, you got an attitude. I don't want to be here either. <laughs> no, I'm, nope, I can't agree with that. Take your personal stuff, leave that at the door, hang it on your little desk hook where you put your coat and do your job. That irritates me so much. That's why I'm going to an aside, but I'm not. <laughs> I worked in customer service very briefly, and so I understand like the term customer service means serving the customer. So you're supposed to have a, a neutral response from the, when, by the time the person gets to you. Howsoever, I have had those days where every single pe- person that I talk to has an attitude. And so it's like, it's take, it's, it gets really hard at some point to not take that shit personal and to not let that bother you. Cause it's like, okay, now 
All right. Well, thank you so much. Well, fuck you. Okay. Have a great day. All right. (laughs) Bye-bye. Like it just, it takes a lot, especially like if you got your own stuff going on in your life and you, you'd have been cussed out by every single person on the line, somebody going to get it eventually. And it's like, ma'am, either you're going to do what I asked you to do or you're not. I'm like, Ooh, excuse me. Who's who pooped in your Cheerios? The last five people I talked to, that's who. I came in here with a good attitude and y'all done ruined it for me. Uh, I can see both sides. I'm not saying that anybody's right and anybody's wrong. I'm just saying I can see both sides because I've been on both sides. Hence why I no longer do customer service because let me tell you what I'm not going to be doing is getting cussed out and not saying nothing back to you. I know a lady who's been in customer service um, and she's like in her 70s and she don't let stuff like that bother her. And she, you know, she's just one of those, I think they're like just naturally positive people. And she's one of those. And I think those are the type of people who should be in customer service because stuff like that don't, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't bother her. And she can just let it roll off her back. And she would be like, oh, all right. Well, your mama sucks. Okay, well, that's great. Thank you so much. All right, bye-bye. Like she just, I never saw her get ruffled. Huh? That's awesome. Yeah, and so we need people like her in customer service, not people like me. But yeah, so what's your ism for this week, Stace? Um, unnecessary introduction on work calls. It <laughs> pretty much speaks for itself. Talking to people who we may or may not know, and I'm like, well, let's go around and introduce each other. I don't, I don't want to forget who you are after you say your name. I don't think this is necessary. And then you have people who want to, oh, I'm so-and-so and all I do this. Like, I don't care your title. I just need to know to whom am I supposed to speak if I have questions or if I need something done. That's it. Don't care what you're doing. So that irritates me. So <clears throat> I'm always a rebel. Well, just tell me who you are, something about yourself. And I'm just like, I'm Stacy. I do X, Y, and Z, or I work in X, Y, Z. That's it, period. <clears throat> You're not getting a whole life story about me. I don't have time for that. You know, this remote work and you're already on unnecessary amount of meetings. Mm -hmm. I think it doubled. Yeah. But um, it's annoying to me. That's all. I think that's funny that you say that because I remember when I worked in uh, corporate spaces and it's like traditional work settings and, um, like we would get one new person and they'd want to go around and introduce every, like all 20 of us. And I'm like, I hate everybody in here. Like I know the rest of you. Why not just introduce this one person and then have them go around and introduce themselves to us individually on their own time. Like the rest of us know each other already. Why are we spending half of a meeting talking about who we are and how we got here and what we love about this job? I, I hate it. It, pay my, it pays my bills. I want to go home. Like, it's half the meeting just to just to introduce myself to people who I already know I'm like I yes so I get that I stand behind what you just said 100% because we don't need introductions if that's the case let's just wear name tags and say who we are what department we're in well when we you're on conference call you can see that you know internally. what damn straight because it's right there on the zoom thing so internally you can just hover and it tells you the whole org chart you can see for a person like you care look at it for clients outside clients um i feel the same way like we don't work together all the time you don't know who i am but just know your points of contact 
and everybody else on the call, mm, you'll get to know them as the project progresses. Like right now, we don't need to know these people. Like, let's keep it moving. We have an hour. Let's go. Yes. So you're all about maximi maximizing the productivity with your time. I hate it. I feel you. I'm right there with you, man. And I'll say that if I'm running a call and I was sorry, so unprofessional. I'm like, I don't do all these extra introductions. So I will introduce everybody. So-and-so, this is so-and-so, and this is what they're doing. Let's move on. Real quick, six seconds. And let's, and, oh my gosh, I can't stand it. <sighs> well, maybe people, maybe the people in your organization, the people that you work with will, will learn to um, pick up the way that you do things. So then, you know, we're not all sitting here doing these long, drawn-out introductions the way we did at my hooding ceremony. Oh, yeah. Golly, that was like five days long. Yeah, and I, I wanted to leave it. It was my ceremony. My hair turned gray. I was like, what is happening? Why are we still here? <laughs> but it got interesting, though, toward the end. Oh, it always does with those two. <laughs> Never, never adult. Say more. <laughs> <laughs> what was so funny was like the look on your face was like these are the people you've been telling me about. Yep, you can see it in 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 plain view. This is this is it, my friend. <laughs> I, I had no more energy. I couldn't even go to the graduation. I was like, I'm not doing this again. This I know. I remember you were just like, you can give somebody else my ticket. I don't. I don't want to relive that. Golly, like what the heck? what the heck was that? Shoot. <laughs> yeah, we still talk about that to this day. How like crazy that thing was and how um a professor that we had for one semester bowed down to another student. Oh my god, it was it was it was a lot. <laughs> anyway. That's your wife. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, it was such a hot get on that. Oh, it was so ratchet. Anyway, I digress. All right. I think that wraps up this week's ism, a very light conversation for what we're about to talk about. So this week's days, I wanted to talk about the um, shooting here in Atlanta. So for those of you who do not know, um, I'm sure it's all over the internet and you've been hearing about it because it's been um, sparking, you know, um, Asian rights movements all over the world or all over the US rather. And um, basically there's an 18 year old uh, white man who went into these um, Asian massage parlors and targeted these Asian women and shot and killed eight people um, in the process. And apparently he said he was trying to remove um, uh, influences from his sexual addiction. He has a sex addiction. And so he was trying to remove um, threats to his sex addiction. And what I also wanted to play was the police officer's response <laughs> to that behavior. If I can get it to play properly. Hold on. Let's see if it'll... This morning, I, they got that impression that, yes, he, he understood um, the gravity of it. And he was pretty much set up and everything was kind of broken. Uh, and yesterday was a really bad day for him. And this is what he did. And he worked for uh, I'm not going to go to. I don't know if he's going to go to or not. The investigators they interviewed him this morning, and I uh, they got that impression. They 
So apparently the police officer or the, um, the Atlanta police chief's response to this was this young man was having a bad day. So this was his response to having a bad day was that he went out and shot eight people. What I know, I know, Pooh. Even my baby is like bullshit. So that was his response to um, the unnecessary murdering of these, you know, these eight people was that this white man was having a bad day. I had bad days, but I don't, I don't just go out and start killing people. But you know, not a white man. What are your thoughts about the shooting in Atlanta, Stace? Just, uh, just so frustrating that this is happening. And then the response to it was just appalling. And it's just very matter of fact about it. Like, oh, he was having a bad day. He just needs help. And, <clears throat> excuse me, <sighs> the Christ follower, follower in me hmm makes it uh, it's just i don't I don't know if the word is difficult because the thoughts that i be thinking <laughs> that these mm-hmm. folks deserve you know the flesh the flesh thinks they deserve it's like man golly <clears throat> we know the good lord is going to deal with them even the police chief officer whatever the heck he was over that nonsense it's just so blatantly in your face this frat this white fragility bullish that they keep yeah. Um, propping up and I'm just like how dare you this man killed eight people murdered massacred eight people in cold blood Mm -hmm. and your response is oh you know he was having a bad day like not condemning him but he was having a bad day like you have to give Johnny Chad Chase uh, whatever his name is uh, just a pass you know his cereal got soggy in the morning and he just couldn't take it. Sometimes our cereal gets soggy. Like just some bullish excuse. Yeah. Makes absolutely no sense. Meanwhile, you have dead people who have mm-hmm. families who are never going to see their loved ones again. And one of the women had two sons, mm-hmm. two teenage sons, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they don't give a ding about his bad day. There was no reason for that. Like, that's just not fair. And you just see the, 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 um, the contrast in how we're treated versus how they're treated. <clears throat> and Absolutely. it's not lost on anybody, but I'm just living. It's just so frustrating. I can't even like, uh, And I was watching, I think, um, what's the show that Whoopi Goldberg is on? The View? That yes. I'm sorry, I didn't say that. <laughs> I did. You're dumb. I like Whoopi for the most part. But anyway, um, she was like, how many strip clubs did he pass by? How many, um, you know, what are those stores, sex shops that have like the, um, you know, the, the explicit adult content in the back that he right. passed by before he got to those massage parlors? Like why those massage parlors? This is not about his so-called sex, his self-proclaimed sex addiction at 18 you're fucking 18 who's not a sex addict at 18 when you're 18 you're having sex and eating up all the food that's like that's what you do when with all those hormones in your body so I don't want to like that that to me is like a bullshit excuse and if you have a sex addiction that's not everybody else's problem that's your problem that's not you know you don't get to go out and remove people who you feel is a threat 
to your addiction. People who have gambling addictions don't get to go shoot up all the casinos. You know what I'm saying? Like we have to accept our responsibility. And so I'm just like, how many places did he pass before he got there? So to me, this is a hate crime. This is not a, oh, you know, I was having a bad day and I happened upon these people or I was trying to get rid of, you know, temptations to my sex addiction. So I, I targeted these massage parlors. No, bullshit. This is this is blatant. This is blatant hate hate that has been spewing in America for centuries, and that has been fueled, you know, as of late with all of this, you know, bullcrap and the, with the politics and everything. And so I'm just like, no, he's a murderer, and this is not okay. And these victims deserve these victims and their families deserve justice. Yep. But it's unfortunate because we live in America. And they might not get that justice. And it's just really unfortunate that there's a, a doubt that that might not even happen. But that a doubt that it would happen, justice would happen rather. <clears throat> it's disgusting. Yeah. And then I, I was doing like research on it. And I was trying to find all the people's names so I can like read, say their names out loud. And they don't even have all the names. They have his name because, right, because it's about him. Yes, Pooh. They have his name, but they don't have all the victims' names. And I'm just sitting here like, I refuse to say his name because he doesn't get any validation or credit or acknowledgement from me. He can kick rocks. But I was trying to find all the victims' names. But I, you know, I found stories about some of the victims, but not all of them, which I think is bullshit because I'm like, you know who these people are. Give them you know, say their names, give them their acknowledgement so that they can, you know, rest in peace, give them justice. And I just, I just, I get tired of seeing stories like this and I don't want to get numb to it, which is why I try to like give it the respect that it's due. But it's, it's, it's overwhelming because it's, it's always something and it's never them. You don't hear about like large massacres of white people by other races, you know what I'm saying? And they don't, they don't be like, oh, well, this black man was having a bad day and he went in and killed 15 white people, people, you know, we're just, that's what happens sometimes we have a bad day. No, we'd be all types of murderers and gangsters and maybe trying to tie it to either a drug affiliation or gang violence and try to say that, it, you know, that's what it was. If it was one of us. And I just, I'm over it. I'm tired. For all we know, this was um, KKK initiation. Wouldn't be surprised. In progressive Atlanta. I know. And, see, and my husband and I are just talking about that, how, you know, we feel very privileged to be in an area that is so, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? So progressive for Black people. There's so many affluent Black people here, um, which is very different than parts of Texas I grew up in, even L.A., um, so you have like a lot of successful areas where you see a lot of, you know, um, middle middle and high class black people, which is different than how I, where I grew up, where, you know, you were one of one black family in the white neighborhood type of thing. But you also have, it's still the South, even as progressive as it is for our people, it's still the South. You still have Southern bullshit to deal with. For those of you who have never lived in the South, the racism is real thick here. If you come here from like more progressive places, it's kind of like taking a step back, you know, 
I'm still not the century, unfortunately. That's just my personal opinion. I'm sure other people who live here, who have lived here in other places would probably agree. <clears throat> then you have those who are just so confused and oblivious. What are you talking about? That's not true. We're not like that. It's like, have you been? No. Anywhere else. You haven't been opening your eyes. You're just walking with your eyes closed and doing everything. Okay, cool, cool. Word. <laughs> That's what privilege looks like. Unbelievable. So ridiculous. Mm -hmm. mm. So with thinking about all this and, and reading this and seeing, seeing it again in the media, I wanted to ask if you remember um, your first racial encounter, mm. like your own personal one. I do. I was five in kindergarten. Jesus. I was, um, I kind of, I just, I wasn't upset. You're like, you're a five-year-old. I at that moment, I felt, I don't think the word's compassion. I felt mm -hmm. bad for the people, the little girl and her trashy dad. It's just like, dang, you didn't even ask to be born to these losers, but here you are. And um, darn, that's just unfortunate. And I wasn't like angry or mad or anything. It's just like, I felt really bad for them. And I'm she probably grew up, she, oh gosh, she's probably, I don't want to say this. <clears throat> if she didn't realize how horrible her, I'm going to say her dad, because I don't know, I didn't meet her mom, was I just hope that she saw the light and pivoted and just didn't live her life the way they were trying to teach her to live her, her life, which was hating Black people. Oh. What about you? <clears throat> I, I, okay. So I'm sure I might have had one prior to this, but the first one that I remember, and I don't know if this was like actual racism or perceived racism. So I'll, 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 I'll do two because these are the two, the two that I like blatantly remember. One is when I was in middle school and I remember calling one of my teachers racist because her behavior to me was, um, it was more, I guess it was probably more like prejudice than anything else because she wasn't like your textbook racist, but she would do things to single out the black kids in our mm -hmm. choir class versus the white kids. And I remember I was a very, as you might be surprised, I was a very vocal child. <laughs> so I remember like saying something to one of my friends in the midst of um, choir practice and these other two white girls had been talking like the entire practice and they sat in the front. She never said anything to them. And I said one thing to my friend and I probably, I think it was like probably something on topic like about the song we were singing. And she's like, Adila, be quiet. You're always talking. If you, if you talk again, I'm going to be like, like, she's going to like write me up or something. And I was like, no, other chicks been up here talking all class. You ain't said shit to them. But I say one thing and you want to say something to me. And I remember just telling her like, I said, you're racist. I said, I can't believe you did that. And she was like, excuse me? I'm not racist. And I was like, yes, you are. I said, because you're treating them different than you're treating me because I'm black. And I remember like, he turned, Zola, I'm talking. She turned red 
And like my mom worked at my school and like ran out of the classroom to get my mom out of her classroom where she was teaching and brought her, brought my mom to class. And she was like, I do a call, be racist. And my mama, now my mama was good for whooping my ass in front of my classmates. So I wasn't sure how this was about to play out. My mama looked at her and looked at me. My mama was like, you came and got me out of my class for this. I don't know you lady. You might be racist. That's her (laughs) opinion about you. And in that moment, I was so damn proud of my mother. I was like, hell yeah. Like, and I said it and I'll say it again. <laughs> and I just felt so like validated in that moment because my mama was like, if that's her experience of you, that's your job to change how she talks about you. I can't tell her that she's, you know, that if she feels like you're racist, that she's wrong, that's, those are her feelings. The lady never let me back in her class again. But oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, she she blocked me from being able to join choir for the next two years. But I got to say what I felt and my mom validated my experience. So I felt good about that. Wow. That's, that's, that's upsetting because she should not have had that power without there being some discussion around what happened and why. Was there discussion with the principal or the superintendent? No. Yeah, see, that's problematic. Very problematic. Because they were like, yeah, she's called her out. They probably were all racist bastards. But I don't know. The the principal and my mom were actually quite tonight. So, like, if I would have went to my mom and been like, I can't join choir. She won't let me in. My mom would have called the meeting. But that was when I found out I was good at volleyball. So I just kind of let it go. (laughs) It was a blessing in disguise. She wouldn't let me in choir. So I had another elective. And so I took volleyball and I got in and I... That's why I got my my scholarship for school, so it worked out for me. If only there was a stray ball during a during a tournament, oh, right? Only. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, don't know how that happened. That was, I think, like my first encounter of like I want to say like subtle racism, because when you think of racism, you're thinking like name calling and like you know overt things, but that lady, I don't know. I, and I don't even know if she's still teaching or what she's doing these days, but I remember she turned red in the face. She was quite easily embarrassed. And then the second time I want to say I had experience with racism, when I was working my first job out of college and I was living in Fergie working for that company and um, this white girl told me she was going to get my black ass fired and get me sent back to Texas. And I remember going to my, um, our, our supervisor, who was a white lady and expressing that to her. And I was like, this is inappropriate. This is not okay. And this supervisor's response was, she's going through a lot. I, I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> that doesn't make it okay for her to say things like that to me. And that, I mean, she just, she was very dismissive and she was just like, you know, kind of give her some grace because she's going through a lot. She just got a new, she got, she got another promotion. Her and her husband are going through. I don't give a fuck. I'm going through a lot too. I, I live up here without my entire family. I'm like, I live up here without my entire family and I'm having a lot going on too, but you don't see me acting up, calling people out the name. So it, that was my second experience. And I, I was probably like 21 when that happened. And it just, it really, it, that that really set me ablaze and I, I that was back before where I could manage my temper properly and I I didn't I didn't take that very well 
Yeah, that seems to be the narrative. When white people pop off, they were, they're going through something. And that's the excuse that explains it away. But see how I called her out her name and told her I was going to get her white ass sent wherever she wanted or, you know, or send her back somewhere else. And I would have been in trouble. I would have been wrong. They probably would have fired my black ass. But she's having a bad day. And so I'm just supposed to excuse her behavior. And I'm like, man, no, that. And I like, yeah. So that was like, like one layer of the racial shit that she did. Cause she was also like, we were working with people with autism and she was saying things to them. And then my clients were repeating it back. So I was like, oh, hell no. And then y'all gonna sit here and try to explain her bullshit away. Somebody's gotta have, someone's gonna have to deal with this. Yeah. It's really unfortunate to carry that much hate around. Yeah. It must be heavy. And that's probably why they're so angry. That's a lot to carry. Like, I'd probably be angry too if I was just carrying so much hate. Ugh, disgusting. It is. I mean, but the, I mean, hate. Was, okay, let's see if I can say it right. This will probably like replace my survival skill. How we feel about other people is just a mirror of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I forget who said that to me. But it's so true. Like, you can only hate somebody if you feel inadequate in yourself about something. There's there's nothing to hate another person for because we all know that we're all made uniquely different. So you know that there's going to be somebody who's better at something than you or does something different from you. So there's no reason to have hatred or jealousy or envy. And so if you have those things, it's because you feel inadequate yourself. It has nothing to do with the other person. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's where I think all that stems from. And I think like back, I I can't talk about me today because I don't be going nowhere. But back then, your girl was fabulous, and so I had plenty to hate on. You know, I look I look back at my pictures sometimes, like God damn it, I was a shit. And she was probably salty. She was probably quite salty. And I also wasn't married to her acne faced husband, who she had to look at all the time, and that probably upset her as well because that man was not very attractive but I didn't say yes to him you did your business <clears throat> I, know, I know that's right see I'm she's the shade queen my daughter mm-hmm. shade queen so yeah those are my two um encounters and so like my other question is so my, I guess my first one I was like what 11 12 I was young I was a baby and then the second one, I was 21. You were younger than me, five. <laughs> I wonder if they have conversations like this. Like, when was your first racial encounter? When were you first racist to somebody? Uh, right. <laughs> the fact, just, oh my God, the world we live in, Jesus Christ. Anyway. Like, <laughs> What'd you say? I'm like, well, when I came out of the womb. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Before I came out of the womb, I would hear my parents. <laughs> Jesus, but oh Jesus be a sin. Okay. So you were five, I was eleven and then twenty-one. And then so how did these um I know you said you had empathy, but how did these encounters change your perspective on life in general? Well, it wasn't empathy. It was just I just felt at a, at five articulating the feeling was hard, but it, it certainly wasn't empathy for those. Losers. Um, it didn't really change anything. I still 
just like, I don't know, it probably showed me which is what all Black people are. For some reason, we're just so caring and loving and just want to help everybody. Just, yeah. I shouldn't say all, but our nature is is that. Um, to see the good in people. Yeah. Um, maybe that was like the first instance. <laughs> I'm older now and I know better, but... <laughs> But um, that didn't change anything. I lived my best life in in kindergarten, and that was just that. Like whatever, this whore. Oh, she wasn't a whore. I'm sorry. She was black too. Maybe um, <laughs> not a whore. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows how she grew up with that trashy daddy? But um, yeah, it, it didn't really change anything. It was just an experience that like opened my eyes, and that wasn't the first one. It's just like oh. Hmm. Such is life for the black person, and that's unfortunate for a, a little kid to go through. Yeah, it is. Um, so I kind of, I, I think I kind of learned that as well, and I also remember like internalizing the lesson of <clears throat> you can't trust them. She. And I kind of just whenever. I had a white person in my life who was like, oh, I'm going to help you do X, Y, and Z. I would, I would allow them to show me who they were, but I never turned my back on them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I, I don't know if I'm saying that the right way, but like, I never let my guard down, so to speak, because I don't, at any moment, I feel like they could turn I'm like, a, I'm like a werewolf. Like you just, <laughs> you just, you don't let your guard down cause they might, you know, eat your heart out type of thing. And like, that's how I felt. And I remember my parents, especially my stepdad telling me like, this is, that's a very lonely way to live life because there are a lot of very successful white people who will help you you know climb up the ladder and I'm like but they always want something back they don't do it to help you they do it to help themselves and it's always like this quid pro quo thing it's it's never oh I just want to help Adila because Adila is amazing at what she does it's I want to help Adila because it'll help me propel in some type of way and so I just I, 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 that was the, the lesson I learned was just don't don't ever close my eyes to them don't close my eyes to the bullshit. Okay, that's true. Facts on facts on facts. I mean, I mean, I can say the same about some black people too, but that's another topic for another time. Yes. <laughs> a whole another conversation. But yeah, I can under I can relate to you there, even for like family or people I know who might just be a little still growing and maturing <laughs> and they saw that level of naivete it's just like listen be careful i don't care if these people you think they're your friends and you think they'll never do anything just be careful keep your guard mm -hmm. up 100 percent of the time don't turn your back if you feel yeah. anything off or wrong in your spirit yeah. take heed because they're not loyal to you <laughs> you know um and anything could be an initiation mm -hmm. you know these people smiling on their you know smiling your face and then the whole time it's a plot 
And yeah. you remember that movie, Get Out, right? Yeah. And I'm like, and I always, and it's crazy, before the movie, I always thought that happened. I'm like, these parents are training their white daughters to get themselves a black man for some sinister reason. If it's not some money, a come up, it's 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 something going on there. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just like when I think of people who are naive, it just concerns me because like, oh, they'll never do that. They're my friends. They've never been, you know, that way. And it's like, oh, come on, dude. Well, I mean, cause like, cause it's like, okay, yes, like I have a friend. And I'm. It, this is like with anybody outside of you. Like, yes, I have a friend. I think they'll, you know, they'll have my back no matter what or whatever. But I just think you have to just, you have to be cautious because people are people. And I think white people are raised to think that black people are dispensable. And so that's why it, you have to have this like extra layer of security, if you will, when interacting with them, like you said, because, you know, you just never know at what moment we will be dispensable to them. And like, I remember being in college and, and my white friends would get like drunk and be like, oh my God, I feel like we're going out to this party. You come, mm-mm, mm-mm. I see y'all when y'all get back. You're not coming to, mm-mm. I've had enough to drink, thanks. And they'd be like, oh, we're just gonna go. I said, and I, I remember telling them and they thought I was so funny. And I was like, I don't wanna hang out with all of y'all. There's too many of y'all, not enough of me. Y'all get drunk and do some do some acid or some other shit that I don't wanna do. And y'all be like, you know what'd be real fun? Let's hang a nigger. And I'm the only one around. I don't have time for that. I had to go home. And they're like, oh, dude, you're so funny. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be funny in the live. See y'all tomorrow. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Y'all want to sit there and play in your bed sheets and shit. And then I got to come up missing. My mama got to be out here crying looking for me because I'm out here hanging with the white folks because doing acid and I don't have, mm-mm. nope, no thanks. Okay. And they'd be like, it was all in good fun. Things just got out of control. That's what they said at my funeral. We didn't mean it. No, fuck you. <laughs> not on my watch. I told my nieces and nephews the same thing. I said, don't be hanging out. With them people past dark and, and you the only one and you can't outrun yeah. people you with. Right. Until you so funny, a funny ha ha, no, no, I'm not playing. Don't do it. Cause you that is it always happens like that. It just got out of hand. There was a, a a boy when I was in high school, they hung he got hung and everybody was like, Oh, we don't know who did it. Yes, you do. You know who did it. It was the white folks. They did it. Oh my gosh, that's so horrible. They did it because they didn't want him dating um dating their daughter. And they had been telling him, leave her alone. And she didn't. And he didn't. They loved each other. And so they hung him. And the, the police were ordered off as suicide. He didn't want to kill himself. Wow. Her parents did that. Her family did that. But I wasn't going to give them no chance. This, you know, it would be so much fun if he did a lynching. Mm-mm, not on my watch. Not with me. I don't think so. Y'all can keep that shit too over there. Don't bring that shit over here. And I never travel without, you know, little Willie on me, no way. So <laughs> I'm going to take, take a couple out with me. So terrible. Mm-hmm. That's the world we live in, unfortunately. I digress. Um, all right. So I think that wraps up this week's ramblings. Anything else from you, Stace? Nope. All right. Any announcements this week? Nope. <laughs> All right. My survival skill, in addition to what I told you earlier about how we react to other people is a mirror reflection of ourselves. 
is to listen to your heart and do what feels right to you. And say what you mean, mean what you say, and with that, govern yourselves accordingly. Mm. Thank you for listening to us at our table present. And